Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 60. Training camp is underway. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. Now that the holiday season is behind us, we are back in full swing. This week, we have a full show. As per usual, we have plenty of XFL developments to cover. In addition, we have three interviews. Later in the show, I'll be rejoined by XFL boards writer Greg Parks to discuss the XFL 2023 schedule and broadcasting assignments. I will also be joined by Vegas Vipers linebacker Cecil Cherry to discuss his football journey, NFL Alumni Academy, and XFL draft experience. Lastly, the X-Fan Show's co-host Arlington Lang joins the show to discuss the Houston Roughnecks lead-up to 2023 and more. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On January 5th, CBS affiliate KLAS-TV's sports director, Chris Mateus, reported the city of Las Vegas and the XFL had agreed to terms on a multi-year deal, making Cashman Field the home of the Vegas Vipers beginning the 2023 season. Later in the day, the report was confirmed by the XFL. As previously reported, Cashman Field is within the city limits and has been converted from a baseball stadium to a soccer venue and has a fixed capacity of 9,334. Although there is space to incorporate additional temporary seating, reports indicate the XFL are targeting 8,000 attendees per game. We will have to see what sort of fan base and demand the Vipers will have for 2023. Perhaps the league could be persuaded to increase capacity. Also, on January 5th, the much-anticipated XFL schedule was released. Per the league's press release, the 2023 season will kick off on Saturday, January 18th with the Vegas Vipers facing the Arlington Renegades in Choctaw Stadium at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. That evening, the Houston Roughnecks will host the Orlando Guardians at TDECU Stadium at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN and FX. Then on Sunday, February 19th, the St. Louis Battlehawks travel to play the San Antonio Brahmas in the Alamo Dome at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ABC. To close out the opening weekend, That evening, the Seattle Sea Dragons face the D.C. Defenders in Audi Field at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ESPN. In addition to the assigned networks, ESPN Plus will broadcast every XFL game. Although most of the games will be played on Saturdays and Sundays, a few games will be featured on Thursday, Friday, and Monday. For additional details pertaining to the schedule, you can visit XFL.com. I will also be further discussing the matter with Greg Parks later in the show. Then, on January 6th, the XFL and GSTQ announced their fashion collaboration. 
If you're not aware, GSTQ is XFL chairwoman Danny Garcia's fashion label. She had been previously seen in one of the collaborations offerings while attending league summer showcases. If you're interested in seeing the fashion collaboration, visit XFL.com. Also on January 6th, the XFL announced several of additional player assignments. Among the players were NFL Alumni Academy graduates, as well as former St. Louis Battlehawks quarterback Jordan Ta'amu, who was assigned to the D.C. Defenders. Frankly, there are too many players to mention. Since making the announcement, the league website has been updated to reflect current players under contract, assigned players, and draftees. I must note, XFL insider Mike Mitchell had previously reported to Amo would be joining the defenders. After all, it is important to give credit to those who deserve it. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be rejoined by XFL board writer Greg Parks to discuss the XFL schedule and broadcasting assignments. Happy New Year, Greg. I appreciate you taking the time to return to the show to discuss the XFL schedule and broadcasting assignments for 2023. Happy to be here, Mike. A moment that is a long time coming, I think, for a lot of people. I was going to say, on January 5th, the Vegas Vipers dilemma was officially resolved and the league released their much-anticipated schedule Mm -hmm. for the third iteration there will be a North and South division. And we'll just kind of go over it with everyone that hasn't had a chance maybe to see it. The North division will be consisting of the DC Defenders, the Seattle Sea Dragons, St. Louis Battlehawks, and the Vegas Vipers. And the South division will consist of the Arlington Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, Orlando Guardians, and the San Antonio Brahmas. I'm not surprised of a divisional setup because one, it makes sense for scheduling purposes. And secondly, it's pretty customary for uh, football and American sports leagues in general. As a fellow football diehard and geek, if you will, how does this format and pairing of the teams sit with you? I honestly haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. I I think it's fine. Like there are only so many ways that you can slice this pie. (laughs) So doing it North South is fine. You could have tried East West, but I'm not sure that would have worked out as well. Cause you're probably going to have all three Texas teams in the same division. It doesn't really make sense to not have them in the same division. So you just needed to figure out who that fourth team was going to be in the division with the Texas teams and then every other team is kind of in their own division. So it really, I think it was kind of split the way most people expected it to be split. I'm in agreement. I think the Texas teams were going to be paired no matter what that whole Texas throwdown, so to speak, which was between then Dallas and Houston, but now you got a third team in it. It only makes sense, right? Football's a religion in Texas. Let them just kind of, thrive off one another and really have that rivalry within their own state. I think it's also going to help with traveling fans if they play twice a year. You know, I think it makes sense to have San Antonio fans travel to Houston and Arlington and vice versa for, you know, for all these teams. I think that's going to help with attendance. So I think that's brilliant right there in and of itself. So I think it was a no brainer Um, divisional setup, right? It's just, Scheduling purposes, it had to happen, right? You had to have teams that are going to play, you know, face each other twice to really balance a schedule. That's how it had to be versus kind of an unbalanced schedule, if you will. Divisional setup, 
is the only thing that made sense to me. So again, right, there's only so many ways you can slice the pie. Totally in agreement. We're previously aware the XFL had plans to kick off the 2023 season on Saturday, Saturday, February 18th. So obviously no surprises there, which launches the opening weekend with a pair of games on Saturday. So we're looking at the Vegas Vipers at Arlington Renegades at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Orlando Guardians at Houston Roughnecks at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a simulcasting of ESPN and FX. Pretty interesting there. As well as two games on Sunday with the St. Louis Battlehawks at San Antonio Brahmas at 3 p.m. Standard Eastern or Eastern Standard Time and the Seattle Sea Dragons at DC Defenders at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, this time around, when we look a little bit further down the schedule, the league and its broadcasting partner, the Walt Disney Companies, have expanded the schedule to also include Thursday, which there are two games on Thursdays this year, Friday, one game, and even a Monday game, one game. Is this inclusion of Thursday, Friday, and Monday primetime games a pro or con for the league? I think it's a pro. Um, and I wrote this, I wrote about this in my column um, on XFLboard.com when I kind of looked at just the some things that stood out to me about how the schedule is put together and the results of it is uh, you can do something where, and it's a, it's a very low stakes gamble by the XFL and the Disney company because all of these games are on FX, which is not as high profile of a station as ESPN or even ESPN2. So I don't think the ratings or the viewership um, is a, as big of a deal, maybe on FX as it is on ESPN and ESPN2. So the reason I say it's a it's a pro is because if you're able to draw a decent audience for these days, you could build more of those games into the 2024 schedule when you're setting that up. The the season that the XFL is taking place during can be very difficult because it's March Madness. It's uh, the beginning of NASCAR. It's uh, the beginning of Major League Baseball. It's the NHL, which ESPN has purchased the package for. So it can be very complicated, even though you know ESPN is a great place to have XFL games on in the ESPN family of networks. It can be a little difficult finding enough room for the XFL when you're competing with ESPN spending billions of dollars on these other packages, you know that the NHL and is going to get priority. And you want to keep it away from maybe college basketball as much as possible during March Madness, because obviously those are big, big ratings grabbers for the other networks. Uh, so showing the ability to, to draw on a Thursday night or a Friday night or even a Monday night during the spring, I think is going to be advantageous for both ESPN and the XFL in building the 2024 schedule, it gives them a lot more flexibility to avoid some of the competition that the XFL would see maybe on weekends uh, in the fall or in the, um, in the winter and spring rather. I think that football fans are obviously accustomed to Thursday and Monday night games, right? The NFL's King, no doubt. And it does very well with Monday night football. Thursday's kind of been that odd situation where it's been on the NFL network or paired with whatever CBS sports, however they're doing, whoever had that broadcast. And now obviously with Amazon prime, 
But either way, people are looking for football on those nights. It's so it's, we're already accustomed to it. So mm-hmm. to me, that's not really a shocker. If you're a diehard, which alternative spring football fans are of like leagues of the XFL and whatnot, it's not really that shock. And a primetime game really brings the most eyes to anything. You know, everyone on their weekends, it kind of gets jammed up. You know, everyone, especially on Sundays, if you kind of get into Texas, you know, and more of the Bible Belt, you know, you kind of you got to start to juggle it, that in some way. Yeah. And I would also say that that weekends are tough, um, as you mentioned, because people are out doing things. They may not be home at 3 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon to watch a game. Uh, whereas on weeknights, when it's a work night, you're more apt to stay at home and maybe find the games. The other thing I will say, too, about the Friday night offering and it's a Friday night game in Arlington. And what's interesting about that is high school football is huge in Texas. Friday night lights, all of that stuff, you know, it, it's it's to religion in Texas. So I'm wondering if the XFL is maybe dipping its toe in the water, trying to maybe build some synergy between, and I know it's not the exact same thing. I know that it's it's a different season than you would have high school football, but a lot of Texas fans are used to football on Friday nights with high school football. And so if they can kind of create some kind of synergy there with that and having the XFL on Friday nights in, in the spring in Texas, I think that could be interesting. I'm not sure exactly how you make that connection, but you know, that's something I see as far as having games on Friday nights. I have thought for a while, I'm like, you know, spring football, you don't have to have that synergy between high school, college, in the professional game like you do in the fall, right? There's essentially the antitrust agreement that why the NFL avoids Friday nights, right? And mostly Saturdays until after the collegiate season is essentially right. finished or it's in bowl season, right? With the XFL, USFL, whoever else, these alternative leagues are playing in the spring, not having to abide by that or that being even a conflict of any sort, I thought it was the perfect situation when Erica Muehlman was at the Canton luncheon at the Hall of Fame doing her, you know, her speaking and Q&A. And she mentioned Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, here we go. Prime. Perfect. XFL could have its own Friday night football and like really push it how the NFL has its Monday night football. So I'm like, this is a perfect situation. Now we're going to see one game, like you said, dipping the toes in it. Maybe that's fair. I mean, and Thursday and Monday, obviously, are, like I said, no-brainers because we're already accustomed to it. It's just a different time of the year. But, okay, I really was hopeful that Friday night football was going to be a thing. Every Friday, that would have been it. Maybe two games on a Saturday and one game on a Sunday after that Bible Belt situation. You know, wait for people to kind of go to church and kind of push that in a late afternoon or primetime situation like we have Sunday night football in the NFL. That's what I was kind of hoping for. Again, this is not the end of the world, by in, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement, but I just thought oh, maybe more Friday night games. That would have been kind of cool, but it is what it is. Yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't know enough about FX's schedule to know whether or not it would be possible to do more Friday night games on there. But, you know, to me, as the XFL proves its worth, in viewership and ratings and in shows that they're able to draw on these nights, then they can make the argument a little better. Hey, let's get, let's get a little better time slot. We're, we're showing that we we can draw the numbers. Let's get some better time slots. Let's get some more prime time. However you want to do it. You know, you could see 
a scenario where in 2024 you have a Friday night game of the week on one of the networks. And then, like you said, two on Saturday, maybe one on Sunday. Um, if they can build their brand around that Friday night uh, airing, you know, that would be very interesting to me. And it would set it apart from uh, some of the other sports leagues and give it kind of its own night and its own branding because branding is going to be important, especially with the schedule the way it is and the games all over four different networks, all different time periods. It's really hard to brand the league as, okay, you know, kind of like the NFL where you know that every Sunday at one and four, you're going to have games, right? There's no varying to that. Every Monday night, there's a game. Every Thursday night, there's a game. You know, that is appointment television for fans. Whereas with the XFL, I mean, fans are really going to have to work hard to figure out when these games are and what channels these games are on. And I think as the XFL begins to prove itself, if it can show that it can draw ratings, if it can show that it should be a priority for ESPN, then I think the networks will work a little harder to give it that dedicated time slot in the future. I'm going to take a little deep dive here or a deeper dive to look at the broadcasting breakdown. But the one thing I didn't have in my notes, and I kind of want to touch on because I had shared it a little while ago, I don't know, a week, week and a half ago, that there was somebody that came out from Wells Fargo that was being interviewed by a slew of media. And I'm talking about major media. And you had like Fox Business and, and whatnot reporting on it. That obviously Disney took a big hit in 2022. And they're looking potentially to selling ABC and ESPN. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen now. They're thinking it could happen on the in the fourth quarter of 2023. So obviously the XFL season will be over. But I kind of also wonder how much of this breakdown that we'll get into here in a little bit has some of that already in foresight, not really on the back of the brain, but really like we got to kind of figure this out because if we're going to break up our network, so to speak, and Disney's the one that owns the contract, and let's say ESPN and ABC leaves, but Walt Disney wants to hang on to it, is FX going to become a major player? I, I'm not saying it is, but I, this is something that I think we have to be a little bit aware of, right? There is going to be potentially a major change on the horizon. But you would think it would stay with at least ESPN because it's a sports entity. Right. Well, let's, I mean, and, and if you want to touch on that a little bit, we can before I kind of break into that. I know I kind of just threw something. I wasn't sure if you were aware of that. I don't even know how many of the listeners are aware of that because I really didn't get into that on my my show. I kind of shared that on social media and stuff. There wasn't really much buzz around it. It was like a news clip, right? I'm Fox Business of speaking from somebody from Wells Fargo and whatnot. So, I mean, it, there's something potentially here. There is rumors or there's noise in the background that this person is seeing, hearing, and, and knows what the possibility could be. I had not heard that. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure how many potential buyers there would be just because the expense is so high for a network like that. And I think uh, one of the things that, a potential buyer would be looking to keep is relatively low cost programming, which apparently the XFL is. We don't, we don't really know um, what their deal is in terms of numbers or anything like that. And then you kind of get into, you know, is it a deal with ESPN? Is it a deal with Disney? Like it sounds like it's a deal with Disney. So if Disney sells ESPN, like what's the, does the XFL go with ESPN? Does it go with Disney? Like, so there's, a lot of different complications to go along with it too. But I, I think the fact that 
you know, the, the XFL is not costing billions of dollars in rights fees at this point. It, I, I wouldn't say it's a great thing because you always have, you know, you kind of live in year to year when you don't have that big contract to sustain you. But at a time when, you know, there is the threat of that sports rights bubble to burst being relatively cheap programming uh, that will still draw decent ratings might be valuable going forward. So, you know, that's, that's, and then, you know, as you said, what, what role does FX play? What parts do Disney's does Disney sell off? Do they keep FX as their sports arm, which it's really not right now. Uh, you know, it, there's been talk of, you know, kind of transitioning it into more sports based just because live sports draws, you know, live sports draws an audience in a way that, a lot of scripted programming doesn't, you know, people DVR it, they watch it on their own time, but sports is, as I said earlier, appointment programming, um, live sports especially. So there is value to that as well. Just to put into perspective, this is something I don't have in front of me, so I'm going to go off uh, memory. I know Sportico just posted an image of the top 100 live uh, broadcasting, um, mm-hmm. whatever broadcasts, and football predominantly the NFL out of the top 100, I think I had like 85, 86 of the top 100 spots with only the world cup taking a couple Olympics, taking one, I think like the Kentucky Derby took a date, whatever it was sports though, that owned it, but it was football. So obviously we yeah. know that people in this country, American broadcast, not worldwide, but people in this country love their football. So you're right. I mean, like that it wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to convert that. But now let's kind of dig into how these games broke down by network. ABC will have six regular season games and the championship. ESPN will have 11 regular season games and the semifinal number two game. ESPN two will have nine regular season games and the semifinal number one game. FX will have 15 regular season games and ESPN plus will broadcast all games. It will be ex- be available on the ESPN Plus app. So I've recently read, I did I had to do some research because I was a little bit more intrigued about FX. I recently read that the FX is available approximately 84 million homes, which is surprisingly more homes than ESPN2, which has 76 million. If this is true, and I, I cross-reference it by multiple websites, and then you could always get into how legit are these. But I cross-reference, if this is true, is this a good breakdown for the XFL that is actually on FX, even though it's not a sports platform because it's technically available in more homes? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> the problem is people don't think of FX as sports. So you're not going to get, you know, the people who watch ESPN are sports fans. And if they're watching something on ESPN before XFL comes on, they're probably more apt to stick around and watch the XFL than if you're watching a movie on FX and then the XFL starts, you may not have that viewer stick around. So I think it, it's there's going to be a conditioning period to get people to think of FX as a place where you go for sports. Because right now it's not that. The viewer who watches FX is very different than the viewer who watches ESPN, even if it is available in more homes. So that's the big hurdle. That's the big stumbling block that I see uh, early on. And again, you know, I I think the the good thing is, and it surprised me that there's 15 games on FX. I didn't expect that many. 
you know, there's, there's some, I think disappointment maybe with that. Um, but it all depends on, it's not just the games on ESPN. It's what is the coverage going to be like on ESPN? Are they going to cover games on sports center? Are they going to have pre and post game shows? Are they going to have talking heads talking about the XFL? Because to me, that's just as important as actually having the games on that network. But yeah, FX having 15 games surprised me. And like I said earlier, I think there is less of a less of a pressure to produce ratings and viewership numbers than there would be if the game was on ESPN or ESPN2. That's just my inkling. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to be the case. I don't know if ESPN and the XFL see it that way. Um, I don't know if fans are going to end up seeing that it that way once the games uh, get started. But yeah, FX, it's it's you get the sense that it's going to go through a little bit of rebranding that, that Disney and, and ESPN are kind of gobbling up as many sports properties as they can and sort of spreading them out where they can across their different networks. Just because as we talked about earlier, and, and as you pointed out in the, the top 100 shows of uh, 2022 in terms of ratings, uh, sports is king when it comes to cable TV and network TV for a host of reasons. You know, whether it's carriage fees that these networks can charge, whether it's advertising fees that they can charge, Whatever the case may be, live sports is still king. So they're going to try to spread it out across as many properties under their umbrella as they can. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like 15 games. Wow, I have to do some research here. That's This is what kind of set me down that rabbit hole. I'm like, it's a lot of games. And I'm hoping they're seeing something that obviously us non-FX network watching people don't have a clue about. So I, that's why I kind of went down. And I'm pleasantly surprised with how many homes that have it. But I'm just, I'm in agreement with you, with people not knowing that sports are going to be there and whoever is tuning in there, are they looking for sports? And if they see it and they're just going to tune right back out, that's where the issue is going to come. You know, and you're right. The only thing that's going to help this league, it's not just broadcast of games. It's going to be anything that leads up or follows it. And that's going to be where that exclusive broadcasting right, ownership of those rights is going to be key. What are they doing with it? What other content are they going to do to help support, essentially be the foundation to build it? Because the NFL has all that. I don't care what network you're on for sports networks. I don't care what it is for game days. It's all lead in, post game. There's plenty of that. So there's got to be a little bit more than just your average, here's alternative spring football, and we're off the air again until next week. But maybe Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, Monday added to Saturday, Sunday, maybe they feel it's enough just to sprinkle it across the seven-day week, you know, in hopes that it gathers enough people being like, okay, we're tuning in, we're not forgetting this. But it's not a lot of midweek game or, you know, weekday games. So, I don't know. And I think it's it, that part of it is also important in terms of getting people on ESPN talking about it because with the schedule the way it is, so many games on so many different networks at so many different times – you need to be able to remind fans, hey, you can find this week's games here, here, and here. And the easiest way to do that is to talk about the league, talk about the games on ESPN. So I think we're going to get a clue on how invested ESPN is with the league. We don't have a dollar number that we can point to that ESPN has invested this much. You know, So if it's a high dollar number, you know they're going to be all over the network. If it was a low dollar number, maybe it's you know, it's not a priority for ESPN, but we just simply don't know. So I think the amount of coverage that the XFL gets uh, throughout ESPN 
is going to give us an indication about how seriously they take having XFL programming on their networks. The only thing I could see is even if they don't do, you know, an NFL live type of thing on ESPN, obviously they have that every day of the week, NFL live, they will at least have probably sports center coverage of it. So Saturday night into Sunday morning, talk about the game before, you know, Sunday night into Monday morning, talk about Sundays, but now having those couple of days might just sprinkle that enough where it's enough that it's dropping on sports center. Maybe that's enough of planting the seeds. Again, it's all speculation. We don't know enough. There could be more coming, but at least there's that planting of the seeds, so to speak, that has got to be at least a benefit. And, and ESPN.com is going to do some heavy lifting. I'm sure uh, ESPN social media channels will also uh, hopefully do a lot of plugging of when the games are coming up and where you can find them, just because I think that's, that's going to be so key. Um, and, and I know I keep mentioning this over and over again, but by having them across four different networks at not a dedicated time every week, you need to to let fans know very easily and very quickly when and where they can find the game. So, you know, doing it on ESPN, doing it on ESPN.com, having that information readily available, having that information readily available across social media, Twitter, Instagram, and and the like for ESPN is also going to be very important. I do like that all games will be on ESPN Plus, right? Mm-hmm. As we're heading to those cord cutters, so to speak. ESPN Plus, just so everyone knows, has it is in more than 24 million homes. So that is a growing entity and more content's going on that. So that's pretty interesting. And I just thought I had to do some quick comparisons compared to the USFL, which obviously completed its first season and is coming back for season two. This is obviously who you're going to have some head to head later in the season when there's a little bit of overlap. I looked at their numbers. The USA network it has about 90 million homes, which is pretty solid. But it also does have some sports on it. It's enough to, for that overlap. So people are at least thinking sports are on that network. So viewership-wise or home access-wise, it's pretty comparable to FX. But FX does have that hurdle. Peacock, surprisingly, numbers of subscribers has been dipping over 2022. And as of the last thing I had found in late August, they had 13 million subscribers. And it's on, it's on the downward slide. So looking at this platform versus the XFL's ESPN Plus, I think it's a plus, like not to kind of play off from the plus aspect, but it is a benefit. And the fact that they're also double dipping. So technically every XFL game is simulcast in some way between their ESPN Plus app and through whatever networks. So I think that is going to help that reach to get more viewership. And it's all about the transition, right? Because as you mentioned, the cord cutters and and the number of homes that have cable are are going down every year as more people use streaming services and things like that. And, And ESPN Plus becomes then more and more important. So if there is ever a point where the XFL transitions from basic cable to a streaming service like an ESPN plus, you know, they've already got that. It's muscle memory for fans at that point to be able to find it on there for some fans. And so uh, that is important. I think that's a good thing. I wrote about my column that I would love to see a different view of the game on ESPN plus, you know, we we've heard that the XFL wants its broadcast to be very different. They want to offer insight into games and into the league that other leagues don't allow or don't show. 
And I think having the simulcast on ESPN Plus is a great opportunity to do that. If you want to watch the basic game, if you're just a football fan, you want the announcers, you want that, the usual presentation you can watch on cable. If you want something different, then you can go to ESPN Plus and that may attract people to subscribe to ESPN Plus for that offering of something new, something different. So I think that would be really cool. And then you've also got the idea of the ancillary programming, the shoulder programming uh, potential on ESPN+. Plus. None of that was announced with the schedule. I'm sure that will come a lot later, closer to the season when that sort of stuff gets finalized. But, you know, the pre and post game type shows, things like that should be a lot easier to put on ESPN+, Plus than it would be to put on uh, ESPN. And that's always been, I think, the shortcoming of the XFL in, in 2001 and 2020 is it's hard for fans to really get invested, especially the casual fans to get invested in these teams, these brand new teams where, where there's no brand loyalty to them over years or over generations of fans and where they don't know a lot of the players. It's hard to just drop a game into the middle of a broadcasting block and then be done with it and never speak of it until a week later when the next games drop. So to be able to familiarize fans with players, with coaches, with the stories um, and with the, the storylines that are going on within the games, that's going to draw more fans and allow them to invest a lot more strongly in these leagues and in these teams. And without the pre and post game shows uh, in 2001 and 2020, I think it was it, it was a detriment, um, maybe not significant, but but certainly a detriment. Um, so I hope that that's at least offered on ESPN Plus for fans. Yeah, they're going to have to do something. ESPN Plus is always looking for whatever shows you can find. Even ESPN FC shifted off from ESPN's actual and ESPN 2's actual platforms to ESPN Plus. They had shifted full shows just over there. So they're always looking for even cheap content just to put on there. So something's got to, it just, it's a no brainer, but when it comes to FX, they're going to have to do something to advertise on that network. They're going to have to advertise even to whoever's there to kind of try to get people in there to start thinking sports are coming and we don't have much time. So I'm just curious if there's any listeners out there that watch the FX network. Cause I don't, and I don't even have it cause I'm a cable cutter and I only have, you know, digital TV. That's I'm one of those guys. But if you are seeing it and you're seeing commercials, I'd like to see it. Kind of post it, tag me, Greg in it, whoever, because we kind of, we like to see what's happening because this is obviously not sports entity of a network. So they're, they're going to have to do something to start drumming it up before even worried about pre and post game shows. Yeah, we, we've had some commercials on Monday Night Football for the XFL in the last few weeks on ESPN. Um, the only thing I watch on FX is American Horror Story. So I think it's the off season for that show. So I haven't been watching it much but yeah i think as important as it is to advertise during monday night football and during on espn i think it's just as important if not more important to advertise on fx too as well to to let fans who watch that network know that sports are coming and um and even on espn i mean if you're advertising on espn i would i would focus on the fx aspect of it because people have it so ingrained that espn is the sports destination of the disney channel uh, or the Disney net family of networks where uh, there's a lot of people who don't even realize that FX is owned by Disney right now. <laughs> like that was a relatively recent thing within the last few years too. It had always been owned by Fox. So there's a going to be a learning curve uh, for XFL and for Disney to get fans to 
think about FX in that way. Well, you'll have that little watermark, so to speak, in the bottom corner of a screen if they're showing highlights on, ES, uh, on ESPN, like SportsCenter or whatnot. But that's not enough advertising for the sports person to realize, oh, these games are on FX. It's got to be kind of pushed in a way that's not just non-spoken or suggested yeah. in video content. You know, So there's got to be a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we beat it that horse pretty good about <laughs> networks broad oh mike i'm sure there's somebody out there listening that says hey you didn't mention this about fx and i'll be like ah we spent 30 minutes on it give us a break <laughs> it beat that pretty good well i didn't have a ton of notes but there's one thing because i know our conversations go lengthy as we've kind of just mentioned in the, in the lead up to recording i know i've seen a lot of people really kind of negatively talking about how Arlington is going to be the least traveled team in the league. Well, wasn't this going to be common sense people? The hub is right there. Their home is right there. So they don't have to fly to their home games. Unlike other teams. And even the other two Texas teams, it's minimal. And looking at the division, obviously they have the two Texas teams, which is obviously gives them the closest opponents. I get it. But When I look at the National Football League, I remember this and I had to look it up. The Pittsburgh Steelers here in 2022 were by far the least traveled team in the National Football League. They traveled under 1,300 miles for their games this year, supposedly, according to whatever statistics somebody had that I didn't do the math myself, so maybe I should have. But under 1,300 miles, where other teams had done triple to almost quadruple the amount of travel. In the year, is this a concern? Is this anything we should really be concerned as fans that think that, you know, Arlington has a pretty decent roster? You know, some people are thinking they're one of the top two teams. I'm one of the one of those people. I think they got the second best roster in the league. Is it an unfair advantage? Is it an unfair advantage? Maybe, but do I think that it's going to manifest itself? in a way that is is obvious and concerning for the league, no. It would be great if all teams could travel an equal amount, but that's just never going to be the case. And uh, nowhere is that more clear than the NFL. I mean, look at when, you know, the way that they split things up and, and let's say Jacksonville, when they travel to the, you know, when they play the NFC West, they're going to have to travel out West a lot farther than, uh, a team like the Miami Dolphins, who is in the same state, but they may be, you know, in the AFC East, they may be playing the NFC East. So they only have to travel to Philadelphia. Dale. So, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> I, I really don't. And it's not concerning to me in the least. Like, I, there are so many other concerns that that one is is pretty low on the list for me. Is it is it something that could have an effect? Maybe. Um, but you're not going to know it until you get out there and see it. And Maybe in some way the XFL can adjust, maybe give, maybe have them play, um, you know, have them play in Seattle versus play Seattle in Arlington. I don't know. Like, you know, there could be that. But I think, you know, part of the other problem is it's so difficult to schedule leagues like this to begin with, because in a lot of these stadiums, you're not the primary tenant. You're not you're maybe second or third in line. So you kind of have to take what the, the, the stadiums and the fields give you you may not have a lot of choice in the matter. So yeah, you have the choice to have your hub in Arlington, but if it's going to save you a significant amount of money, you have to weigh that against, okay, what is the 
benefit to Arlington is at a competitive disadvantage than to have Arlington have to travel so few miles for their games. And when you weigh those two, I really don't think I really don't think it's as big of an issue as and I haven't heard this argument. So, you know, you, you, maybe you travel in, in different uh, places than I do online to hear this stuff. Um, but I, I just this is pretty low on the list of concerns for me. <laughs> I'm I'm going to wholeheartedly agree with you, Craig. I'm, I'm thinking, like, are we going to nitpick? Is this what it is? And I'm not a big opinionated guy like I've shared with you before on the show. And anyone that listens to the show knows that. I'm not really big on opinions. I'm like, really? The NFL is no different. And that's yeah. why I had to bring up the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're, the Jacksonville every year travels to London. The NFL is now going to do games in Germany and Mexico. There's going to be more travel. Not only that, the divisions in the National Football League are far from fair. When you look at the AFC North, it is probably the teams with the least amount of travel compared to look at the AFC East with Buffalo and New England have to go to Miami and vice versa. The Miami is actually at the biggest disadvantage in the AFC East that they got to go north three times a year for their own divisional games. Mm-hmm. This is not unheard of. And that's why, I mean, at first I'll just, I didn't want to share my take on it. I'm like, I can't be the only one that this seems absurd to be focusing on well, Arlington is going to be the champion. The fix is in, so to speak. Come on. Well, and, and you let's said, not go there. You said it too. Like the the day that Arlington was announced as the hub, like we knew this was going to be the case. Like they were going to play five uh, home games, and they would not have to leave. Everybody else has to leave for the home games. I mean, that was obvious from the beginning. Why this is all of a sudden an issue now is kind of bizarre. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> the Vegas stadium situation is solved. The schedule is solved. People need something else to complain about now. So maybe that's it. I was just going to say that you just, you can't make people <laughs> happy. It has yeah. to be something. And they're like, well, we're going to find the obvious thing and talk about it. We knew right from the get go, five home games camp. You're right. We knew right there. And the moment they announced two other Texas teams, I'm like, well, everybody plays everybody at least once that has been the way of the XFL or any alternative spring league that has had eight teams. So we knew this was going to happen without even seeing how the divisions in the actual schedule ultimately played out. So yeah, to me, it's, it's a nothing. It is what it is. It's always going to be somebody's going to have the, the least amount of travel and somebody's always going to have the most, unfortunately, mm-hmm. just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, in Seattle and DC probably are the least fortunate being on the same division, complete opposite yeah. ends or sides from East coast to West coast. Yeah. Biggest disadvantage for those two teams. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I am not going to dig into a lot of other things. You wrote an article, as you had already alluded to. What is it in the schedule that we did not discuss, or maybe other people are not talking about from what circles you are online that you've seen that we're missing, that you're seeing a little bit differently that you dove into? I think there's a couple interesting things that I pointed out in my column. Um, You mentioned ABC not having a lot of presence on the XFL schedule, but they have it at really important times. There are two ABC games the very first week of the season. And then once you get toward the end of the season, um, they have one game in week eight, one game in week nine, they've got one in week 10, and then they've got the championship game. So at two very critical times of the season, uh, ABC has a presence. So I think it's important to have, because ABC is going to be the network that people get the most of. 
So uh, those are two key times that I think it's important to have that presence. Uh, the other thing is, um, which is different from the first two iterations of the XFL, is there's that off week between the semifinal games and the championship game, just like there is in the NFL. And we have not seen that in the past with the XFL. So I'm not sure whose decision that was, whether it was the XFL, whether it was broadcast partners, whether it was just kind of a, a necessary situation to find a stadium. And we don't know where the championship game is going to be. We don't know if it's a neutral site or if it's going to be a home game for one of those teams. I thought that was worth pointing out. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the league and its broadcast partners can come up with maybe in that off week to help publicize the upcoming championship game. And, um, you know, the other thing I noticed in terms of, of just the, the game by game schedule is St. Louis doesn't have a home game until week four. And that was interesting to me because you would think that you would want your best numbers in terms of attendance from 2020, which was St. Louis to kick off your league. You want that atmosphere, especially when you're in competition in some ways with the USFL, right? And what was the weakness of the USFL? They didn't have, uh, unless you were, it was a Birmingham game, you didn't really have crowds that were into it. So what a way to kick off XFL 2023 by kind of going right at it and having that 30, 40,000, hopefully in St. Louis in that first game. But we didn't have it the first week or the second week or the third week. It's, it's the fourth week. And this goes back to what I said, you know, beggars can't be choosers when you're a league like the XFL and you may not be the priority in some of these cities, in some of these stadiums, you kind of have to take what you can get. So I'm sure it was not the XFL's choice. I'm sure it was not the Battlehawks choice to be, uh, to have their first home game four weeks into the season, but it is what it is at this point. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something I had seen. Here's the thing about that. Before they even announced what cities were returning before we even got team nicknames and colors and logos and all that stuff. They knew like there's a portion of people that were already clamoring about, Hey, if St. Louis comes back, they can't, according to the February 18th date of a launch, they knew for the first couple of weeks, St. Louis was not going to be home because looking at the dome in St. Louis, they already knew it was booked. And like you had alluded to and mentioned the fact that they are not primary other than what Choctaw stadium. Ch yeah. Choctaw is probably the only place that they're actually a primary tenant. Every other venue either has college teams as their primary uh, tenant. And they already had schedules built out, whether they're bringing in monster trucks, whether they're bringing in conventions, whatever they're doing in some of these dome locations, concerts, People, it's unfortunate, but they knew before they even re-signed a lease, that wasn't even possible. Mm -hmm. That is unfortunate. And maybe that's why teams like Seattle should, should have been the focus, right? Yeah. That's your second marquee market, which really at first was the marquee market until actually St. Louis showed up with single game tickets and mm -hmm. really surprised everybody. Yeah. But Seattle should have been the focus. You know, again, I didn't get into every venue and look at it. Like how some people, as soon as they got the cities and they knew the venues, they already started to piece what could have been for a schedule. And again, maybe we were looking at different circles, but I didn't want to get on that speculation because you never know. 
a concert could be canceled. We've seen that happen for various reasons over the year, and that could open up a date before the schedule got announced. So it is what it is again there. It is unfortunate because that could have been awesome because we were hearing that what St. Louis Battlehawks were going to have maybe 50,000 people for that week six game before, you know, the plug got pulled because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Could that have, re- could you imagine if those people were clamoring to come back and then you're ready to kick off? I mean, everything, the knock against the USFL was attendance, like you had mentioned. And here we are, that could have been a big boost, but it is what it is. The other thing you were mentioning that I kind of want to touch base on with that, that week off, that's kind of a surprise. It is. And for multiple reasons, because it kind of drives you a little bit deeper into your competitor season, the USFL. Mm -hmm. I wonder what, really went into way that as a benefit i'm with you i i don't see it going head to head unless you wanted to go head to head for some reason you really wanted to put your championship deeper into their season to see if you could have kind of hurt them in some way and i'm not saying that's what it is but we know there's they're looking at each other as competitors they're looking for their own edges we've already seen it with coaches the players they've gone after with drafting and whatnot. We know that there's, so I kind of wonder, was that on purpose? I'm not saying it is again, it's speculation. It could be, what couldn't be. We never, we'll never know, but that is surprising. I agree. That's it's, it's kind of odd. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that angle to it. Um, Like you said, I, there, there's really no, I mean, it's all speculation, right? And we don't know. We don't even know what side, whose side's idea this was. So it's, it's hard to say. I don't know what, if any programming they're trying to avoid by not going on that off week. Uh, you don't know if it's a stadium availability situation. You don't know. I mean, there, there are so many different variables that it could be. And I think, you know, the, the potential to put the screws to the USFL, like I wouldn't completely rule that out. Um, but yeah, I, it, it could be so many different things. Well, is there anything else you could think of before we wrap this up? This might be the shortest ever recording that you <laughs> and I have had. I, no, I, it's just a sense of relief, you know, um, to, to get the Viper Stadium, to get uh, the schedule out, to know that individual tickets are going on sale next, I believe, next. Um, the 12th? Is that what the they said? The 12th, which is next Thursday uh, or Wednesday, I think. So, um you know that's nice because that's been that's been the real critical mass uh, for not getting the schedule. It's not that fans needed the schedule. I mean, to a certain extent, to know when to travel, but also to buy tickets. You know, without the tickets, without the schedule, individual tickets could not go on sale. Uh, so their ability to to sell those tickets is going to be important. And you know, you, it's time we've seen social media folks are gathering in Arlington. Coaches are there. Players have started trickling yesterday and today. I saw something from the DC Defenders uh, social media. Um, you know, players are getting uh, their gear and stuff like that, and and so that's that's very exciting. And it is a, a sigh of relief that we've got the last two big boxes checked in terms of the Vegas Stadium, in terms of the schedule, and now we can move forward with actual football. And that's going to be when the fun part starts. Well, that's what it's all about. That's why there's a league. It's for football. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. why people are tuning in to watch football. So it's now 
nice. And I kind of had mentioned it leading into my first show of the 2023 year is that we've got players showing up this week. Got it's real. <laughs> it's real now. Finally, for how long we've waited with this particular ownership, buying it out of bankruptcy back in August of 2020, it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of frustration. You know, and then some of it's been justified with the fan base. I, I get it. Everyone kind of thought, oh, they're buying an entity with intellectual property and so much stuff that this is going to be way quicker to kind of get to it. It's not going to be, they've kind of held a lot closer to their best, but here we are, football. That's what matters. We got players drafted, rosters now got to be finalized. But I mean, wow, talk about how many players are actually showing up. A lot more than I think people thought were going to be participating at these training camps. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Definitely a good thing. Yeah. Well, Greg, as always, it has been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time, even last minute, to come on to discuss the XFL schedule, these broadcasting assignments, and whatnot. And I, I just, I've always enjoyed it. And I would love to do this again sometime to discuss other XFL developments if possible. Absolutely. Next time we, we talk, I'm sure we'll be talking about training camp battles and, and getting ready for the season and who's going to start at quarterback. And that's a lot more fun than talking about the stuff we've unfortunately been talking about over the last few months. <laughs> right. And hopefully we get to see everything leading towards a second season. That's what this is all yep. about. Hopefully we'll just continue to progress. So um, I know you have shared it multiple times previously, but can you share for our new listeners as the show continues to grow? If some of our listeners are wanted to be able to tune in to some of your work, where could they do so? Well, um, I write for xflboard.com. Um, so you can go there. Um, I'm also present in the message board. Uh, so we'd love to hear from fans uh, on the message board there. Uh, you can read my work there. It's going to be the workload's going to increase as the season starts. So um, I'm excited to write about the league again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg M. Parks. Uh, so I tweet a lot in reaction to some of the news that, that comes out and, and things like that. Um, so you can follow me there again. Same thing with XFL board. It's, it's going to increase in uh, volume as we get closer to the season. So it's, it's going to be an exciting time. And I, Hope to interact with uh, some of the listeners here. Perfect. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Mike. Unfortunately, due to our availability, it was impossible for Greg and I to discuss each game and week in detail. For more of Greg's insight on the schedule, visit xflboard.com to read his article. I will now be joined by Vegas Vipers linebacker Cecil Cherry to discuss his football journey, NFL Alumni Academy, and XFL draft experience. Well, welcome. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss your football journey, your time with the NFL Alumni Academy and XFL draft experience. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Before we get into the NFL Alumni Academy and the XFL draft, I think it'd be beneficial if we provide some of your background first to help our listeners understand who you are, where you came from. So you began your collegiate career, if I'm not mistaken, at JUCO. Yeah, I started I started off with Texas coming out. I committed it. Really, I committed to Tennessee Volunteers in my sophomore year of high school when Darren James committed to Florida State. We was the top Florida kids going to the opening and everything. And then I had 
you know what I'm saying, I hopped out and I had went to Texas. And then when I got to Texas, it wasn't like I made a freshman mistake. I should have stayed, but at the end of the day, we all make our decisions. And I had left him with Willie um, really Taggart and USF. And I balled out two years, did the red shirt year. Then I came back. I went to Juco in Kahoma. Then I um I set a Juco record there, 81 tackles, what, 71 solo tackles in nine games. I had four picks. The first game, I had two picks. Um, Then uh, 4.5 sacks. And then I set a Juco record and defensive player of the year in the state of Mississippi. And um, MVP of the league that year. Um, with the Grambling, had 30 tackles and a pick six, which I learned so much at South Florida. Let me go back a little. I learned so much at South Florida, learning how to be a pro in and out. You got to love special teams. You got not just love defense or offense. You got to be willing to give it all for the team, whatever going to win, because as a freshman, I had to learn that. And when I learned that, I seen that I could, my game could elevate. Like, you might be pouting because you're a freshman not playing, but you can use your ability and show how to create it to be a beast on special team to pay yourself in playing. So I had to learn the ropes of learning to being a college player, a student of the game, learning everything about it. And not only that, I went um from Juco, went to Grambling. Um, I went out to play outside linebacker. I was a Mike. I was going to play outside my junior year and go back to Mike. And then I ended up graduating early, getting my criminal um, justice degree. I originally I was took in, I took what 30, I took, it's unbelievable. I took 24 hours and within probably six weeks before grad before the qualifying for graduating in the spring. So I stopped playing football to focus on picking up extra classes on straight line and all that. Then I ended up graduating early, way before I was supposed to graduate. Then God blessed me with an opportunity to go to you. The University of Tennessee Martin for my grad year. I was gonna go. I was gonna go D two. I was gonna go D two to Delta State because they already had contact me. I said, you know what? God opened up a bigger door for me. So I went to UT Martin, finished eighty tackles. Um, I had four point five. Well, well, four point five sacks, nine TFL, nine quarterback hurries, six PBU. And I started one game, and then my first game. Well, I only started two games. And my first two games, my first game starting, actually, I had 15 tackles, 3.5 sacks, 4.5 TFL, and one game, five quarterback hurries. And I said, you know what, God, you you showing me. So when I actually learned a sharing reps with a, a teammate, stepping up when a teammate go down, and when God timing, it's never disappointing. So when that, when that came and everything came to me, I went to the Hula Bowl put on the top performance and my pro day got canceled. I'm like, Ooh. wow, 2020 COVID year. Yeah. So I drove, I drove from, I was so hungry. I drove from Florida and Polk County all the way up to Pittsburgh. And when I got up to Pittsburgh, I found out that what I was going to try to try out for was a arena ball and it was fan control. So I met John Jenkins and he was like, you drove from, Florida, I said, Coach, I want that dream bad because it was taken away from me. Like, scouts could say, oh, pro day, pro day, but why can't, how can I make up pro day if I didn't have that equal opportunity? So, I went to fan control, balled out my first year, and that's when I got promoted to the spring league with Larry Kirschke. Then I finished top prospect in the spring league, Sea Lions. Then the USFL come up. I didn't get no offer. I didn't get no call, and I played for you for free. 
like a lot of these, a lot of these guys right now, I got a, I got an edge on my shoulder going to the XFL because a lot of them got that higher position when it was for free and dodged it. I come in and work hard for it, then they get a high position because they get a little money going to the USFL. But I don't play this game for money. I love the game. It's my peace because I was gay as a baby, and I know, you know, what I'm saying football brought me around my real family. My dad was a little league coach, and we used to have kids. A whole police would pull us over, a whole bunch of kids on the back of the truck. So football mean a lot to me. And literally, I used to play four games a day. <laughs> and not only that, that hunger down deep of where I come from, people to give up. So I had to, you know what I'm saying, dig deep. Like, hey, I really want this dream. So then after all that, I didn't get a call for the USFL. Then I next, next thing you know, I went back to fan control. And then I um, was training in Louisiana for a little bit. Then I went defensive player of the year. That's how God worked. Then after that, I went to the major league. The major league get counseled. I'm thinking yeah. I'm going to get filmed to get into, you know what I'm saying, to get to where I need to be. After that, I come back home. I work. Come back home. I try to figure things out. I said, God, whatever you got for me, I'm gonna put my whole body on just grinding, all that. And I had to take back and like, man, I, I done came too far to give up. So after that, man, I know like I had just got on that rooms to go warehouse. Like, no lie. That's when the NFL Alumni Academy called me. I'm three days in the work. I done went to what three different jobs because I missed two. Because I was trying to make an XFL workout, and that didn't come out. Nobody didn't want to take me because where I'm from, nobody don't want to help you like that. They say, "Oh, you ain't gonna make it." They they doubt you. So no, nobody want to stop working to try to go do something for you because they never know. And what they got small mind. They ain't been nowhere. They don't. Everybody preach faith, but faith got a way of texting, testing you how really you love it. If you love the game and you go to the XFL and ball and your games to get to the league. But what if that don't happen? You got to come back the next year with the same faith. Oh, right, I'm going to go again. You can't give up. So all with all that, went to the NFL alumni, put on a fantastic performance. Coach Dish, look how God worked. That's my defense coordinator for the Vipers. I showed him I could play outside and inside. Versatility. Learning the defense. Everything came in up quick like this. Then I could cover. A lot of people don't know I can cover better than the DB. That's what I love that, and I love hit physical going to be me. Because where I'm from, we we play head up, bust them up in the street. <laughs> you play it on a cement basketball, you run on the side side curve, you're going to get hit to a tree or the ditch. <laughs> See, so I was watching some highlights the other day, <laughs> and you were doing some, there were just drills, but you were covering. Yeah, like wideouts and stuff, and I was shocked, you know, and it's not to take a shot at anybody. You had good speed, good instincts, like really solid. Like you did very well. And I was kind of shocked at how well you did as a linebacker covering people running routes. I was shocked. Like all praise to you, man. Like you, you're not kidding. You looked amazing. Yes, sir. And and I love coverage. And then after that, I went to there and did what I did and coached. Dish had left, and he told me, don't leave without my number. But then that's when everything, me and the linebacker coach, Miss Jen, we start building a connection off through Instagram. And me and her started talking. Man, no lie, she called me today. Me and her, I check, I'm checking on her while she's driving down right, right now. I've been calling to check on her, and I feel so comfortable that she's from Florida. 
that I'm going to represent and show them how we do. <laughs> and that would be us. I was like, you from the crib, coach. I got to go 100 for you. They don't know about that Florida. Like she said, they don't know about that Florida. We're a different breed. Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's why I told her, like, on kickoff, on punt, on kick return, I would be on there because I'm going to do whatever to help the team win. If coach want to bring me at fullback, hey, one yard, you need that running back to get it, third and one, I will be that fullback to come knock that linebacker on the tail for whoever, Matt Jones, whoever running back start to get that one yard. That just That's how much I love the game. Can we yeah. rewind here a little bit, Cecil? So you yes, you mentioned that you got the phone call. You're in day three of your job, right, from the NFL Alumni Academy. So they reached yes, out to you about participating. Yes, sir. And so it, was it a no-brainer for you? I mean, were you aware that the I, XFL was, and the NFL Alumni Academy already had a partnership? Did it seem no, like the no-brainer, or was it just an opportunity? It's opportunity, and I, 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 was, I was begging that work when I was in the warehouse at rooms ago. I say, just come. I don't need to be in these boots and be here. I know I'm supposed to be on the field. And then when I heard all the coaches in there, like Coach Coach, Coach Ted was my linebacker coach. I played against him in the screen lane when he was the head coach for the Blues. Coach Larry Kershaw was my head coach. Coach um, Smith was my OC. Coach Jerry Smythe was my D-line coach. And I seen, who else? Chuck had relationship with my Uncle Alvin Hopper. So it, it's like a whole bunch of everything that I was like, this is the perfect fit for me. And coming from Frostburg, where I'm from, you either going to make something out of nothing or you're going to complain because people don't care. And it's sad, but when you got a dream, you never know which little one you happen to grow up around where I'm at. Because that's why I got a Cecil Cherry Youth Foundation. Get back to kids. Like I'm hosting the camp after the XFL season. I'm already get that started planning because I had one right after the FCF season. All the coaches came from the FCF. Most of them, John Jenkins, all of them had a couple NFL players come show the kids love. And one thing I promised my daddy because he he grew up in Little League and like I used to have U.S. Marshal breaking my house, police try to pull me over, mess with me. Because my dad was this big dope. Well, back then in high school, well, back then his time, he had a funeral home and all that. Then he shot 10 people up the street. And then yeah. he took a course called Saviors. And then that's when he came and saved me. But I had got the bad, bad end of the stick after he did the years in prison. And then he wasn't doing that. He was in a little league. And then they kept saying, you messing with these kids. You trying to learn your money with these kids. No, he trying to show these kids not to go where he been, including his son. Not just right. is on the back of the truck. He got his son with two. So I was able to see all that. And I had one time police tried to lie on me and had somebody in the handcuffs. And by the time my, my uncle dropped me off home, he lied and tried to tell my uncle, say that dope was his. I'm a little child. But, oh, we trying to get at it. That My dad, not none of that. So why is y'all trying to get? But that's what people don't know. I got a deep down, deep down soul of knowing football is my way to change my family, to change my life, to just show kids that you could make it no matter what the circumstance, it don't matter. You just got to be willing to do it, have faith, believe, achieve, attack, and handle it. (laughs) So you took an opportunity, right? It seemed like the perfect fit, perfect timing that you needed something. 
Yes, How sir. did the Alumni Academy impact you and your game oh, for the better? Man, it impacted a lot. Like, because you know how the running backs have 10 yards coming up. My thing was always pat my feet and just let them come. Ain't no need to move because if you go up, they already got full momentum. It's a linebacker, running back, dick, um, drill. But I'm a master in attack and get on that hip. So Coteau was showing me, don't look back. See, so run through the ball, your ability. Just run through the ball. You got speed. So all that came into play. And not only that, just trying to help others while you're out on the field. Don't always be about yourself. Because if you could help that person behind you or that person in front of you, imagine y'all game of success, what y'all can do with each other. And I learned from the academy, be a pro, you got to give your all. You got to be willing to sacrifice and a good sacrifice not a bad sacrifice it's a sacrifice of knowing that you can do it and then just achieving it and you're doing the right thing you're studying your playbook at night you're going to sleep at a decent time you're taking care of your body you just you study as much film as you can and you approve and you ask some questions no question is a dumb question especially if you're trying to get to where you need to go well i've i was just interested in that aspect you're the first player i've had an opportunity to talk about that's gone through the nfl alumni academy and obviously there's a partnership but it's just it's just it's perfect to have you because i'm hopefully gonna get some insight for me and my listeners that we wouldn't have had so what did it cost you right i mean did they just is it free did it cost you what type of commitment did you have to make to actually participate in it the the commitment is you come handle business, and if anything, it's a it's a give take game. You gotta you gotta give something to get where you want, and it's free for coming. But also the NFL, I know that helping you with portal to get you in the portal to get your film out there in front of teams. And yeah, they want thirteen for XFL. They want thirty one for NFL at the roster, but. If you don't make none, none of these teams or nothing, you don't owe nobody or nothing. So anything, they helping you more than you think that they take it from you. Gotcha. Because you got all the sources, you got everything, and they putting the platform out there for you. So if anything, it's more advantage than a disadvantage. Well, that's good to know for anybody else that's contemplating it, right? I mean, it's good for somebody for you to share that. You learn it from the best. You learn from Chip Smith. You learn from... Every his son, all, everybody that worked with him, the best trainer in NFL history, Chip Chuck Smith, um, Chip Smith, and then Chuck Smith. You got the bestest coach. All all football, all them coaches are great persons, great coaches, and just great teachers of teaching you the game and just trying to get to know you outside the game. So that's a major plus when you got coaches like that because you. You can't even get mad when the coach get on you and keep it real. He just want to see the better. And when you got a coach that you can enjoy the game and they're helping you approve the right way, they're going to get more out of you. That's why I told Miss Jen, I said, you from the crib. I can't disappoint you. Now it's up. That's the Florida turn. <laughs> so that's why I told Coach Jean, and me and her talking laughing about that right now. But the thing about it, that's the joy of the game. When I went to Juco, I took that with me. You know what I'm saying? People, you got you to take what you learn 
and add that to your add that to your ingredient box and just keep getting better. You keep getting better. Stop. You can't worry about if you had one bad day at practice. You got to come back next day. I'm gonna do better. Or you got to look at film and say I'm gonna adjust that this because that NFL alumni ain't no head down. Everybody out here hungry. These free agents, everybody hungry. Everybody hungry. That man, you go from practice in the morning. You go to more where you doing three drills and eight reps each side and it's band work. Then you go on to workouts. Then you go on to um, meetings. That's you up at six in the morning. You don't get done till 5 p.m. It's showing you how to be a pro and how to last in the league. Then you're doing yoga on the weekends and on what Fridays, you don't have to worry about going out there on the field no more. And then you got the weekend, you just got a little more, and you got yoga and stuff, workouts. So, it, and then they got the top machines to get your body right. And that's a major plus. Everything other than that, how can you lose? It's a win-win situation. So if anybody, my advice would go to that alumni because the whole organization at the, like, Sid that work, Coach Dean Dalton, he does a fantastic job of communication, working on trying to get you help. If anything, is an advantage. I don't even care what you wear. Well, you got to do this once you make this. You do it. But at the end of the day, you got to do something to give up what you want to get. That's a gateway to get you into a training camp after the XFL. You never know how. It might not work then, but I learned through my career, pieces add up. The more you manifest, the more you keep going, it takes one step at a time. You can't take really two, three steps up that ladder if you're trying to go up at one time, one foot at a time. A baby can't walk when he come out the womb. He got to crawl, then walk. So everything is a step, and 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 I look at it like this: it add up with my faith. You put the work. Faith with work is never dead. Faith without work is dead because you could believe, but if you ain't working, you ain't gonna achieve. So I look at it like you, you just leave everything up to God, and you just go in, not thinking about oh I want to get here, I want to get there. You got to worry about what's present. Like right now, I'm enjoying this. I'm handling my business. I'm enjoying this draft. And tomorrow I'm going to yoga. I'm going to boxing in the morning. And then when I get up there, it's straight business. So let's talk about this business. You go to the Alumni Academy after, you know, the Major League Football, you know, debacle. But you, you, yeah. you stayed focused. You took advantage of it. And here you were presented with another opportunity. We had been messaging back and forth, you know, leading up to the X, uh, the XFL drafting or allocation of the NFL alumni uh, Academy players. So yep. what was this process like, right? I know we had been messaged back and forth and you were still waiting. Hey, you hey, hey. heard your name. Could you just walk us through the day and how this kind of, how it went, how did you approach it? What, what were you doing while you're waiting to find out what your future, it, you know, entailed the last four weeks? The last four weeks, I just dedicated myself to ground. When I left that alumni, I came back with a mentality of I want it. I wanted it, but I really want it because the work I just put in when I don't know nothing going to come behind. I don't know what's going to come behind because I don't went to the hub and spent money and not saying the hub back, but everything add up. I love the hub, but you spent money and that's hard working money and nothing came behind it, but a number one signing for an NFL contract. But God, pieces add up. You know what I'm saying? So that 
film probably could get in the portal or whatever. So I look at it like this. When I these last four weeks, my job told me I couldn't come back because I was telling them I'm gonna have an opportunity with the XFL. I say, if you want this opportunity, so you know what it takes. So I did something different. I got into yoga. Yoga. I got into yoga. And hot yoga, not the regular yoga, hot yoga. I say, work on your flexibility. Work on something that you really know you need to work on, on top of doing boxing, on top of running, doing your own running and everything, because your dream ain't going to go true if you don't believe in you don't put in the work. So I dedicate myself four, four weeks. Like my mother, Tammy, and my real mom from Frog, but my stepmother, my mom, this Tammy, my daddy's ex wife, that's like my real mother. If it wasn't for her, her, me staying at the house and she saying, baby, keep keep going. I believe in you. And she going to every school that I go to, going, going everywhere mm -hmm. I'm going and just pushing me and my family, not just her, my family, my daddy, my mama, my godmother, Santee, my goddaddy, man, Terrence Barnes, my daddy, Winston Cherry, and just my whole strong support. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't be right here. And my real mother, Talisa. But at the end of the day, that support helped much, but they don't see what goes on behind the store. They just know. Like, my mama got to a point, she was like, baby, whatever you say goes now. I done seen everything. He could tell me, oh, he going to make it. Oh, your son one of the best. And nothing ever happened. So she was like, baby, I got my trust in God. I'm praying. And you keep chasing your dream. We just left Brief for Brazen eating, laughing, and talking about how much stuff we done been through with just politics alone and everything. Because at the end of the day, football is football. It's those people going to help your game improve. But if you ain't applying that pressure on the field, how is it going to work? Well, here it is, right? Who called you? How did you find out that you were going to be a Vegas Vipers? They emailed me and Coach Dish and Miss Jen. So you got phone calls from both Coach Dish and Coach Jen? Yes. What were those conversations like? Yes, sir. I'm going to be ready to work, have fun, and it's going to be the best experience of your life, and let's take over. So we know that these coaches, staffs, and players that have never been previously drafted are already arriving in Arlington. When do yes, you sir. show up in Arlington and get ready to rock and roll? Saturday. Saturday, we um, I'm leaving out. My flight leave at 5. I get there at 7. Okay, just so. For a flight out Orlando. I had to go look at a flight in Orlando. And uh, Tampa, they was about four five hundred dollars I said, golly. <laughs> it's short notice. But I luckily found me a cheat went through Orlando. I was going to tell my mama, mama we got to get on the road like I drove to Pittsburgh. This time I ain't going by myself. You might have to drop me off. <laughs> well, I get it because I live in uh, southern Sarasota. And uh, to get the best airfare that I've been able to find the past multiple times, I've flown up back in November for you know a wedding to New York and uh, for uh, Thanksgiving back to New York. Uh, I had to go out of Orlando, a MCO. It, it was no joke. It, yeah, it was pretty expensive. But to find a deal, you got to do what you got to do. I, I I hear you, man. I know exactly you what you're saying. You got to roll them dice. If you don't roll them dice, that's how you know. How can you fail if you don't try? Right. So people, people say people say you fail, but you don't know if you can fail if you don't try. 
if you don't try, that means you ain't trying to, you ain't applying no pressure. If you try, you don't know where to get to. Just so everyone knows, because we are recording here Thursday night, you know, and you will arrive on Saturday, but this episode comes out on Monday. Does it come always out at the beginning of the week? So it, you'll already be there before <laughs> this episode comes yes, out. Sir, but just to let everyone know, we're recording on Thursday and uh, you'll be putting your cleats to the turf and yeah, getting started on Saturday. Earning, I'll be earning earning my right to show, show the world what I can do. But first, I got to show the coach. Ain't nothing ever gave him. Everything earned. And it's just have fun. Once you, if you have fun on the football field, the rest is easy. You just got to be willing to learn and know time's going to get tough, but tough time makes strong man and build big character. So when you produce, you just having fun. If you don't put in the work to prepare yourself for the hard practice, supposed to be hard. Game supposed to be easy and fun. So did they so, hook you up with the, uh, the playbook? Are you hooked up with that already? Not, or Not yet. But I don't. I think Coach Dish is gonna run some of the plays we ran at the academy. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. Me, I don't. I don't. I don't know. But from what me and Coach Ted talked about when we was there, he said Coach Dish him and Coach Dish had a talk. But I don't know. He was like, Coach Dish, you call the plays, and Coach Dish. He said you finna be the D coordinator. So Coach Dish did a, a absolute phenomenal job just introducing that defense and just getting everybody on the same page. Because he took his time and taught it. When I got in the academy, I ain't know no plays. But the first day after being there with Codish, Codish said, you catch on fast. Paying attention. Not doing talking while he talking. If you see a mistake in front of you, ain't no way you should make that same mistake because you see that person in front of you. Learn from your film the next day. Keep improving. Because one day don't make you all that great, man. Consistency is key. I'd rather show up every day for these weeks in camp than to have one big day at camp. Nah, I want to be consistent and relevant because consistency keep your job and keeping your job gets you your winning prize. Well, Cecile, I know you have another uh, commitment. So it has been a pleasure and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to share your football journey, NFL Alumni Academy experience, becoming a Vegas Viper and getting ready to get started there at camp in Arlington. I hope all goes well for you, man. I really hope that you ultimately make the team and I get to start seeing you play, um, you know, here in February and beyond. Cause I'd love to have you come back on the show sometimes. If we can talk about well, how things were going for you and you know, whatnot. Gary Cherry active for you. I got you. Well, before you go, could you take, moment to let our listeners know how they could follow you in your journey. Uh, you can follow me on um, Instagram, Cecil underscore Cherry. Then I got a um, for anybody that want to bring their kids to my camp, I got my other Instagram, Cecil Cherry Youth Foundation, and I post when I have camps for kids. You Y'all allowed to bring your kids. Then I got Twitter, Cecil underscore four, and then I got Facebook, Cecil Chair, and I got another Facebook, Cecil Chair Youth Foundation. So, All right, that's perfect. how you can find me. And, hey, you can find me out there grinding. And, hey, Scary Cherry active. That's all I can say, Polk County on the, on the map. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yes, thank sir. you, Cecil. And uh, let's keep in touch, all right? Most definitely. Put on um, from Frost through Florida. <laughs> hey. 
Take care. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, sir. Believe it or not, we are lucky to sit down with Cecil. Once learning his XFL team, he only had a couple of days before reporting to Arlington, Texas to join the Vegas Vipers training camp. Fortunately, we were able to squeeze in a 30-minute window to learn his story. Best of luck to him at camp. Last but not least, we will now be joined by the X-Fan Show's co-host, Arlington Lang, to discuss the Houston Roughnecks lead-up to the 2023 season. Welcome, Arlington. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the XFL's progress in Houston and more. And thank you. Thank you for having me come on. It's great to be on. I appreciate it. I know this was a hard time for us to get this to happen, but hey, if it's meant to be, we have it going on now. So yeah, we're here. I believe it would be beneficial for our listeners if you were to share your media background and experience covering the XFL. So could you take a moment to do so? Sure. Um, well, currently right now, I'm the uh, co-host of the X-Fan show with uh, with Dirty, uh, a.k.a. Jason Spurgeon. I like to do that that way because people know him as Dirty anyway, but people don't realize his real name. <laughs> so I'm going to put that out there. But covering the XFL, did the St. Louis Battle Hawks back in 2020. While doing the X-Fan show, we actually did a local-based show called the XFL STL Talk Show. And we were basically uh, the voices of the Battle Hawks in St. Louis. And a lot of people will be like, you guys weren't, but actually we were. You got jumped on when we got on, okay? So, but listen, besides doing this braggadocious thing, the real thing was starting them back up in 2019 uh, with Dirty, and we had a blast doing it. And when the Battle Hawks season came into fruition, you know, meeting up with Kurt Hunzinger, meeting up with their staff, you know, that was the thing that we were trying to establish is, hey, just let us know and we'll put it out there. Whatever you let us know, we'll make sure we either say something about it or don't say anything about it. Okay. So we were able to keep a good relationship with them. And we had, I remember during that 2020 season, having guys like Taylor Russolino, LaDamian Washington, when they were members of the Battle Hawks. Uh, participate and then we had some other I think Brandon Staley play uh when he played and then having um was it Christine Michael we had some people it's just that man it was so fun getting an opportunity to do a show like that and having the fan base jump on board with it that was the most compelling thing that I can say that we were able to do during that 2020 campaign was even that five games and then being there uh, for those home games and cheering right along with those fans. That was uh, a, a complete thrill for myself. And I, I can even say the same for Dirty, that we were able to capture a fan base like the Battle Hawks because they were without football. In addition to the XFL STL talk show and mm-hmm. now the X fan show, you have a background in some broadcasting. You do other shows as well. You've done some behind the scenes stuff. So yeah. you're, I mean, this media thing, is by far not new for you. Can you also just elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, let's not take a whole half hour because everyone probably doesn't want your full resume, but can you just kind of share how you've been in this game for a bit? Yeah, I've been in podcasting for the last 11 years. And so being able to cover many of events, uh, whether it was flag football for the Rams, where it was uh, 
uh, covering, uh, doing professional women's basketball. I've done play by play for that, you know, and being able to be at the top radio station in the country as a producer and, and board operator, that is something that I don't take, take lightly. You know, it's something that I've been so grateful enough to be a part of in the St. Louis market. And they have allowed me to be me and they have allowed me to uh, showcase my gifts, you know, the best way possible. And, you know, I'm grateful for all of that. Just doing this podcasting game is fun, but it's also it can can really be tedious. You know, it also could be time consuming. So you got to You got to have the patience for it. If you don't have it, um, you don't you're not going to be cut out for it at all. You know, it's just you just think it's just sitting down and you just talking and thinking that that's the end of it. No, it's not. It's it's a lot more to it. If you want an effective broadcast you want an effective show you have to be prepared for it no doubt about it yeah that's no joke i was one of those guys that listened to several podcasts for a long time because i don't have a media background and i'm like you know i just saw a different avenue for covering the xfl in a slightly different way very more buttoned up you know i'm like maybe we're just missing out on some people that just don't like the off the cuff and more relaxed. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to try a little bit different approach to this, you mm-hmm. know, and just more of a professional. It's not a shot at anybody because different, you know, things for different folks, you know, it's just kind of, let's reach out a little bit more. Yeah. But the reality is I'm not a media guy and mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a breeze. And I'm like, here, I'm just going to get into it. I'm going to start doing the show. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I'll tell you what my fiance could if she had anybody's ear would tell you Mike spends as much time on this show as he does his nine to five gig. <laughs> it, it will consume you. It literally will consume you. When I say, if I want to take a personal stance on it, it's more of you have to find ways to make it work for everything because it's going to grab you. And because you're going to be so consumed in it, you're going to want to do so much work because you want it to be the best. You want everybody to hear you. And so me personally, as a producer uh, that did podcasting and stuff and then being on on the microphone, you have to make sure that there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to have some humor. There's going to be times where you're going to have some frustration because you want to make sure it's perfect and it's right. And then when the flow goes, it's like, man, you cannot stop. It's going to be an obsession. And so uh, I, I feel for you. I really do. And I'm going to feel for my lady, too, because she's going to really recognize what's about to embark. She knows it now, but she doesn't know it, know it. Like when it starts, it's going it's like it's going to grab you. It's going to consume you and it's going to be hard to let go. So uh, to your fiance, hey, I wish you all the best. I hope you can make this work, man, because I guarantee you. You're going to have days where you're going to have the door closed. You're going to want it quiet so you can concentrate. And she's going to be like, come on. No, it's going to be that type of atmosphere for you. I'm just letting you know up front, it's going to go down. (laughs) But that's how it is at times, man. And I'm just going to, I'm keeping it a hundred that once you start getting consumed, sir, Woo! It's gonna be some. It's gonna be some days where she's gonna be upset with you. It's gonna well, be some days. Arlington, this episode that you're on is episode sixty. 
We're well over the one-year mark, folks. <laughs> is continuing, and the grind is getting much longer and longer. This is what people don't understand. Like, because just to give people an under an idea, I know we're we're here to talk about a topic, and we'll get to it. I know we're kind of dragging this out a little bit, but the reality is, Arlington and I have been trying to make this interview happen for a while. Yes, this this just not something as a quick message, a quick hey, let's do it. It takes time to coordinate schedules. And that's why I really appreciate and from one podcaster to another, but you are a media professional. That's what you do for a living and stuff. I could only appreciate really you taking the, your busy schedule in finding time for me, even if it's messaging me at one something in the morning on the East Coast where I'm at. And then I just happen to wake up and see the message and then tell you, it's good. Let's do it. Listen. Anytime that I have my eyes open and I have it in the thought process, it's going to happen. Now, whether you respond to it or not, it's on you. I'm just letting you know, I'm going to put it out there. Because there were times when I would podcast, I would call people up really late at night, three, maybe four in the morning. And they either be up or they won't. If they were up, I had to, we had to discuss something about a show. And or a, a humorous moment that happened during the show. Like I had to, because if, if I don't, I was going to sit there and I'm going to be burst. I'm by myself and I'm doing this show, producing it and trying to put it together and trying to get it out there. And I'm like, I got to tell somebody something somewhere, somehow. Like if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind. So it would be, there would be nights like that. And so even with uh, my co-host Dirty, every day we're talking about the show. It, it, it doesn't have to be about the show itself. It had to be something going on. It's, it's, it's some new idea, new wrinkle we want to add or something that we didn't discuss. We got to discuss it for the next show. And I was like, that's the thing. Consistency, consistency, consistency. And that's why I applaud you, Michael, because you're being consistent on what you're doing. You're making sure that them shows are getting put out, even though it's going to take a lot of work. You're making sure that those shows are getting out there uh once a week and I, I i apply you like guys like reed johnson mark perry um that consistently every week are putting out programming uh stefan over at xfl newsroom guys you got they, they consistently just grateful for enough that you guys are seeing that and continuously doing that particular project that's great I was taught a long time ago, like many others, you know, we have our father figure or mentor, whoever it is. My father said anything worthwhile, anything of substance takes commitment. You can't just, part of my language, half-ass it. Yes. And this is, this approach, once I got into it, I started doing some short episodes and obviously they got longer and longer. And then. I got interviews and then two interviews and three interviews. And they, okay, maybe I've, I've bitten off more than I could chew. My fiance would say, I think you're chewing too much. It's time. To- <laughs> yeah, that's going to be said to you. Uh, no doubt. No, it, no has, doubt about it. it has been said. So it is what it is. Is it a professional approach? And I'm here talking to a professional and I really appreciate it. So Thank you. let's dive into the world of the XFL in Houston. Mm-hmm. So I want to be transparent. Right. Okay. I'm always transparent here, but I don't sugarcoat anything, try to hide anything. I've been tuning into your and Jason's dirty show for a while. Mm-hmm. And you've probably mm-hmm. seen me commenting here and there whenever yep. I can. If it's a lunch thing, even if I'm on only for 10, 15 minutes, I'll, I'll do whatever. I'm a firm believer yep. of just seeing what everyone else is doing, 
participating, bringing the community together, however I am. So now it's a pleasure to have Jason previously on the show and now you coming on the show because it's coming full circle. I contribute where I can and you guys are now contributing on my end. So it's awesome. Yep. I believe you guys have a unique show and you cover the XFL very well. I know it's very different than my show. Mine's more buttoned up. You guys are much more loose. Loose and casual. That's the and, yeah. Loose is the word for that. Just say loose. <laughs> casual is not a knock, right? It's also, no, you guys go at it and you're prepared. You guys just have a very loose feel to it. Like you said, it's probably the yeah. best term for it. But I believe it's important to have somebody like you. Now, you have relocated to the Houston area. or You're in right. Houston, Texas, right? right? So you may be from St. Louis, but I felt, you know what? Why not reach out to you? You're in Houston to get an idea of what's going on with this relaunch of the XFL for the Roughnecks mm-hmm. for the return in Houston. Yeah. Obviously, the XFL was a huge hit in 2020. We we saw the ratings and everything that it was doing. Although the St. Louis Battlehawks and the Seattle Dragons were the marquee teams with probably the biggest fan bases, it was the Houston Roughnecks who dominated the gridiron. Yep. Yep. So this time around, things appear to be a bit different. Obviously, mm-hmm. we have new ownership of the league with Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Redbird Capital. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen this iteration has held its draft, its supplemental draft, the NFL Alumni Academy's draft reallocation, however that officially happened. Knowing that you're an OG Battlehawks fan, <laughs> Right. Yeah. However, I noticed that you have embraced the city of Houston by attending yes, multiple sporting events. Yep. Safe to say you have a good feel, a good grasp of what the city of Houston and its people are like. So that's why yep. I felt you would be a good person to bring in here. You're not a homer, but you mm-hmm. are a fan of the league. So you you understand what the league had went through, yep. what was accepted, what did happen, what did not happen. So now we have our initial rosters, right? All right. We got coaches, staff, players reporting to Arlington, Texas. As we speak this week, more and more reporting for yep. training camp. As well as we just got that anticipated league schedule. All of that, right? I've just kind of went on this monologue, right? Yep. What is the buzz in Houston like for the XFL at the moment? The buzz for Houston is at this point, it's there, but it's not there. And the reason that is because right now it's starting to, um, it didn't at first, even when the Roughnecks had got its name, that, you know, everything was retained, there was no buzz for it. But as of late, built. And what I mean by that, Wade Phillips has been out. Uh, to different events, he's met out with fans. Okay, so they've had their they had fan fest, and they are starting to build within the market because right now the Houston Texans are not so hot. Okay, and they're looking at a potential number one draft pick coming in April's draft. But in the meantime, the Roughnecks they are starting to make it sure that hey, we got it where it's affordable. Come on by. You can go to TDECU Stadium and you can uh, you can get ready, get, get prepared for February 18th. And so that's how it's looking right now. 
and it's just going to build on as it progresses. Now, the only thing that's going to be questioned and keyed is will the audience be retained or will it decrease or increase? That's Those are the factors at this point because it's going to be a totally a different Roughnecks team. It's not June Jones. It's not P.J. Walker. You got Brandon Silvers, Caleb Irby uh, at your quarterback position right now. Of course, Wade Phillips is focused on defense. That's going to be the major player. I know with the Roughnecks in 2020, offense was the name of the game, is outscoring the other team in which they did that, and that led to that 5-0 and record. And then, of course, uh, no Cam Phillips either, which was just mind-boggling to me all by itself that you didn't get uh, one of the top receivers to come back. But that's a whole nother story. My thing is that it's a completely different identity. Will it be the same? Only time will tell come February 18th when they play their first game against your Orlando Guardians. So you mentioned the buzz is there, but it's not there, right? So we got this yeah. this scale. We're trying to find out where 100% it is. It's going to be at because when the season comes, that's when – But because Houston – don't get me wrong. Houston fans support their teams. It's also it's almost like saying to you, Mike, that I don't need to go to a fan fest. I'll be ready when the season starts. When the season is ready, boom, I'm ready. I'll be there at that game. The same goes for the Dynamo. The same goes for the Astros. Of course, the Astros, of course. The Rockets, even though they're, they're not doing so hot, the people still come out to those games, okay? And then you got the Texans. You know, it may not be big audiences, but they still are coming through supporting their team. But I think even with an alternative team such as the Roughnecks, the Roughnecks will be fine when the season begins. They'll have their audience come through. Their fans will come through for that. So how many people do you interact with that are XFL fans in Houston? I mean, do you have a good grasp on that? Or are you just, I mean... I mean, so what's the feel? I, obviously, we got a new head coach, right? June Jones and the team were killing it in 2020. Yeah. You know, and exactly. PJ being obviously, you know, PJ MVP Walker, whatever everyone wants to call it. You know, the reality is, is it is a different vibe. We got a pretty popular coach in Wade Phillips coming around. So, I mean, you kind of lost, but you kind of gained with, you know, the his family. Some yeah. Of Phillips and all that. Pretty yeah. well connected. I, I think that's, that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key here is can you bring the magic that your dad brought to Houston, the Houston market when he was coaching the Oilers and you bring that to the Roughnecks? Cause it's going to be something uh, very interesting for sure. It's just going to, when the final roster is done, then it's like, we know who's for real and who isn't. So I just can't wait for February 18th, man. And they are in a primetime game on, uh, on television. So that's going to be, you know, interesting all by itself. When we think of traditional marketing, knowing that we are approximately 40 days off, you know, from kickoff, Mm -hmm. are you seeing billboards, newspaper ads, radio ads, television ads, grassroots campaigns? Are you seeing anything with local media when you're putting on your local news from the sports, you know, anchor or casters and reporters? Are you getting any of that? Are you seeing any of that with this lead up for 2023? When you're in a big market, it's it's difficult at times because 
the higher the the bigger teams are going to get more play than anything. So I say by the time I would say this ads on Facebook in Houston for the Roughnecks that's been rampant, especially on my on my phone. That's for sure, you know, or on my computer. I'm seeing a lot for Roughnecks. So billboards probably won't pop until late January, maybe February. Because like I said, the fans know I know about it. They'll be there. If they say, hey, there's a game at TDECU Stadium, let's go. They're going. Especially if it's something special to do. And, it's, and right now, the Rockets won't, is not so hot. You know, they probably want to say, hey, I'll take in a football game. Let's go. Because the area where they're in is actually a pretty good area to have a football game. When I say Houston is spread apart, Houston is spread apart. They could have done this over at Rice University, and which is in a midtown area, uh, and hold a football game because it's in a vicinity where there's nightlife around it. Uh, TDECU Stadium is close by to what well, is actually on the opposite end of uh, the highway and then they can get they still will bring over those to downtown so the, being separated ain't as bad but they still can bring in a, a good viable audience is what i'm getting at is that uh nightlife will be just as good if you know after leaving the game hey you can go check out an area bar uh in town or go to an area bar that's not far if you're not going to the game itself so it's gonna be interesting to see how that one plays out but it's so it's so, uh, the atmosphere is so ripe, you know, and I, I just look forward to seeing those roughneck fans out there, you know, they're coming out again. I can't, I can't stress it enough. February 18th is going to be an exciting time. So you had already touched on, and we briefly mentioned about June Jones out. Wade Phillips is in PJ Walker's obviously in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, you know, some new faces in, you know, running the offense. So obviously some major changes there, new faces yep. across the board. You don't have that, all those high flying receivers that you had before. Doesn't mean these ones can't be, but they're all new faces to be, right. you know, to be determined, to be seen. Right. Mm-hmm. From what you're seeing here with these new faces, how do you think this team will be accepted? You know, not maybe having that five and O team, that undefeated, that dominant team. <laughs> this the, everyone's looking at on paper. I get mm-hmm. we don't play the games on paper, but everyone's looking, and everyone's saying Vegas, Arlington, top two teams. There's some other people are like, well, there's some other teams that are in the mix, but we're not hearing Houston in that conversation of even the top half. Yeah, I've even been a little rough on them when the first initial draft happened. I didn't want to give them a grade because I kind of thought they're at the bottom. That's just yeah, me. a lot of people uh, being you know, real. <laughs> it looks like it, the way it looks like on paper almost seemed like they drafted the Texans and put them together and said, hey, we'll put you guys at the bottom. And what's crazy is if you look at the three, the Texas triangles, what they're calling it in the South division, they're looking at Houston as the bottom three, as the third of the three teams, because San Antonio's looks really good. And of course, Arlington drafted the battle Hawks team to uh, <laughs> drafted the battle Hawks team to their roster for the most part, uh, with an addition of a couple of USFL, new Orleans breaker players, you know? So, it's looking, it does look bad, but it's it's all about 
how they're coached and how well they execute. That is going to be the main key. If they execute well, they can get wins. They'll be able to steal some wins, you know, and, and they're going to be playing their Texas compadres twice a year, twice this season. So it's going to be interesting. And you've got to also have, and I know it's one thing that I don't like discussing, but it's also part of the game is injuries. You know, as long as if everybody remains healthy, it's going to look like that they're better on paper. But you got to keep in mind, it's all about the mindsets and about the game plan and how well you execute the game plan. If you don't execute it, it doesn't matter how good of a team it looks. I can sneak out and get a win on you. So it's not going to be a 5-0 and team again. I'm going to go ahead and put that out there. It's not going to be a 5-0 and team, but it will be a competitive team that's going to be put out there. All eight teams will be that way. But in, in my opinion, with Houston, they are going to be competitive when they get out there on that field. Well, to be fair, a lot of people thought the Tampa Bay Vipers in 2020 were going to be one of the better teams, right? They definitely didn't come out of the gates that way. So, no. like you said, you got to play the games. It's all about execution, and it's all about health, right? You get, if, if health doesn't work out for you, then it won't matter anyway. So, if 2020 was any inkling of what could happen, Obviously, it could happen this time around. All it takes is the Vipers or the Renegades don't look hot coming out of the gate for whatever reason. It is a short camp. You know, those rosters are being put together. Some of the teams might just click faster than others. And I know from other interviews that I've had with players and whatnot, there are teams that their quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, and tight ends got together in their own market before training camp happened and they were building chemistry, those routes, that timing, there are teams. Now, if each of the eight teams did not do that, there are some teams further ahead than others. Then you will know come the season. You'll, you'll notice that in the first three, four weeks in the season, how well that they all came together. See, and a lot of times though, they were building that because a lot of rosters hadn't been built. So, that's what's going to be the key part for not just Houston, but all eight teams is how well did you guys come together before the season began? Now, heard from, um, I think it was Kenneth Farrow when he came on our show. Um, he had already mentioned that the XFL had been working with the players from the, from the beginning. So whether we noticed it or not, they were already getting established. So they already were in training mode. We had Lakeem Williams on uh, last week, uh, at the, the end of last year, a couple weeks before last year. And how his mindset is getting ready for the season. He's getting pumped and ready. And these players are all ready to showcase their talents to these to the people. And we can sit back and like, oh, well, they're amateurs. No, they're professional athletes at the end of the day because they all have professional experience that is the main key here is that you may not know them but they all got professional experience somewhere whether it was fan control football European European League of Football CFL USFL wherever they got professional experience and they're going to bring that to to the table but like you said it's about the chemistry the chemistry comes together man they'll come out firing on all cylinders in week one so to be determined, people. It doesn't matter. Yes. It's it's too early to it's too early to tell, but it's 
it'll be fun come when we get around towards February when you know all the rosters are being finalized and stuff uh, are close to being finalized. Then we'll start seeing something. I want. I, I know they're not going to do it, but I wish they would show the scrimmages so we can get an idea of what our teams look like. You know, because fans are interested in that. We want to see what we could potentially look at, but I don't think they want to do that because let's say a team goes bad in the scrimmage. Uh, do I want to go and sit and watch that game? Casual fans probably would actually be more turned off than, you know, a diehard. Exactly. So that's really the thing. If it gets out there in a casual that was thinking about checking something out or might be able to be convinced by somebody eventually – if they see something that doesn't look good, and we know camps that early, especially with teams always rebuilding with new rosters, some coaching staffs are not the same as they were before, right? There might be yep. some people that, like the Hayes brothers, might have been up in St. Louis, but now they're in different roles down in Arlington with Coach Stoops. Things are different this time around. They're building everything. New playbooks, new um, just philosophies that might be coming together that, you know, you know, Renegades had that. The, what the father of the air raid that is no longer around this time, right? That yeah. is a fundamental difference. Doesn't mean they may not do that, but I would assume that is a significant shift right there with yes. the renegade. Absolutely. Like Seattle, for instance, you know, they got June Jones. So, you know, Hazard's going to have handle the defense has uh June Jones is going to cover the offense. So that lets you know right there that, that scheme is a whole lot different than when Jim Zorn was the head coach. Okay. And then we got first time head coaches in the mix at the professional level, Heinz Ward, Reggie Barlow, uh, Terrell Buckley, and even Anthony Beck. Those are guys that are now we're going to see how their, their football minds can be put out on the field. That's what we're going to be looking at. Do they have what it takes to become head coaches? That's, I mean, I'm not, it's not a knock on them because they have something they have to prove. They got to prove that to us, us fans that's going to cheer for them. That is the main thing. I'm not knocking any one of them because the XFL, the league execs saw fit that they should be coaches. They saw that. So that's why they're putting them out there. And Coach Anthony Beck, and, and, and me being an OG Battlehawk fan, when I saw Coach Beck come out at that town hall, he was already talking smack. That was Winston Moss in L.A. Right. He was the big mouth. So that means you got to back it up now because Winston's team did not. As much as we want to sit there and say that he did, he did not. They were, what, two and three? Yeah, it was. Uh, it did not look good early on. Exactly. So... You, you got to understand roster, it. though. They should have. Yes. Actually, you know, this is what kind of comes back around, right? So we'll kind of reel it back into the, some Houston here. Last yeah. time around, the Roughnecks in 2020 were offensive heavy. Mm-hmm. Lacked on the defensive end. They actually let up a lot of points. Yep. This time around, you have a defensive head coach. Yep. Could it be just a shift? You know, you don't have to score as many points if you're not allowing as many points. So maybe you were not the high-flying offense. That is a fundamental shift there. You know, obviously, it's anybody that understands football should see that fundamental shift that is probably going to be more of a defensive team. Again, schemes and players being able to pull it off is a different yet to be seen. But when you see that type of thing, 
I'm also looking outside of players. You know, we had the Texas throwdown in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. The Renegades, Roughnecks, Texas mm-hmm. football is a religion, right, people? Mm-hmm. It is a religion. It's serious. If you look at the high school stadiums, they get packed in a way that it's almost like college games on mm-hmm. those Friday nights. Okay. We have a third team now, mm-hmm. San Antonio Browns. Does this actually bode well for all three teams? Because we might see more fans in the seats because we might have a little bit more of a traveling segment of fans attending these games. Yes, there's it's a road trip, but diehard football fans, do you think this is a plus? I think so, because bringing in from Dallas – bringing in from San Antonio and then vice versa going out to those different cities. It's, it's literally three hours, three hours and some change from each location. So you can make the trip because my plan is for that opening weekend is to go to the Houston game and then go see the Brahmas and Battlehawks play in San Antonio that Sunday. So like right after that, getting a little rest and taking off and hitting the road, Jack, you know, so that is that is compelling. You know, it's like now that you have a Texas triangle, you're gonna sit here and tell me that fans are not gonna uh do the justice and and make their way for these for these locations to go catch a game. Are you kidding me? That's gonna be amazing. And then you're doing it at a cheaper rate for tickets. Cause wait till those single game tickets come out. You telling me that they're gonna pass that up? Hey, road trip, and it could be an XFL road trip. And it's divisional. The yes. league was smart enough to make sure that all three Texas teams were in the division, so they play each other twice. And I was that shocked. Really opens this up for a Texas fan because I know I lived in Syracuse, New York, before I moved to Northport, Florida. Right. I used to have season tickets to the New York Guardians. I drove just shy of four hours to attend what only ended up being two home games, but I was committed for it. I was going to do it. You know there's other diehard fans. They're going to do the same thing. If you're sitting in Houston and you can go to the game in Arlington and you can go to the game in San Antonio as well as your own home games, this is where, you, you know, a 10-game season, you're like, heck, that's seven guaranteed games that I can attend. That's not, yeah. you know, outside of you know any reasonable mind. That's a reasonable drive. You're not road tripping for 10 hours. You're just like, all right, we'll drive down. Stay you know night at a cheap hotel if I have to and drive back. Doesn't cost much. Right. <coughs> so, so and that's the main thing. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to that because that is I've I never got a chance to really do that. And and a lot of people saying, oh, Texas Triangle just don't make sense. Why would you do that? It makes perfect sense to do it. It makes perfect because that means you're gonna bring in more fans. But what shocked me the most, Mike, was you know, I thought it was going to be east-west like they did. They pulled an entirely different setup for me that I never expected. I didn't expect north and south. I didn't even see that one coming. Like, I thought they were really going to continue on like they did with the regime. But it lets me know that the regime changes. It changed. It changed. And so now north and south, and it makes sense. You put... Um, you put the three teams, and I think what did they add? Um, they didn't add Orlando, Orlando to that mix. So yeah, so that, and then you have, of course, Vegas, uh, DC, St. Louis, 
And uh, what was the other team? We got DC, St. Louis, Vegas, Vegas and Seattle. Yeah, and they're Seattle, all in the Vegas. north. So yeah, they're all above in the north. So that was like I never saw that one coming. Because my prediction to that was Houston was going to be on with one division with DC, Orlando, and St. Louis. I had that as a division. And then the two teams being on the west side being uh, Seattle, Vegas, Arlington, and San Antonio. That was my prediction. And they shocked me with that one. And so, but it's, it makes sense. It well, makes sense. Perfect sense. Travel essentially for three of your teams. Yes. That's what it did. It did that. Yes. It you did. have expensive travel, maybe for all the other, the four Northern teams. I, I get it. But in the grand scheme of things, you also save travel for Florida, which is on, you know, Seattle and Florida were your two corner teams, right? If you look at the size of the continental United States, but you also found a way to take one of your corner teams and eliminate a lot of their own travel by just keeping them from moving within Arlington to, or staying in Arlington for a game. And then, you know, Houston and then one in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh They got to go to their five in Orlando, but you found a way to take one of your corner teams in, you know, in the country and really reduce their travel. To me, it makes a lot of sense. It does. It does. It makes perfect sense. But yeah, for, for Houston fans, Hey, get ready, man. Like this is going to be fun. Like, this is the type of offense you would love to see in the no fun league, but then you get to see it in the extremely fun league. I always like using that term because, you know, that's what Vince used in 2001. <laughs> he was going to use it. But I think with this Roughnecks team, you got to give it a chance before you just toss it in the trash, you know, and they say it on paper that they're the third best team in Texas. Again, when they get out on the field, we'll see who's going to be the three, the, the bottom three of that uh, of that Texas triangle. So I have to ask, and I, okay. I think I know the answer. All right. I, I know hopefully some of my fans are fans of your show. You know, I think a lot of people listen to a lot of the same shows. You're an OG Battlehawks fan. Mm-hmm. Being in Houston, does this change your allegiance? <laughs> it depends on what those records are going to look like when the season comes. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to lie because I got to meet Coach Beck, so my allegiance remains with the Battlehawks. I know a lot of people. I've said on many groups, Roughnecks and stuff. Now, but I really think about it, and it might change again. But right now, Battlehawks is will probably where it's going to be at because. That's my hometown team, and uh, and a lot of people are gonna say you said Roughnecks. I'm like, no, it's always been OG Battlehawks, man. Come on now. Say I ask it. because it's fun to ask. Right? It is fun. You, to ask. You, you are a bit, you know, in a bit of a predicament, but the reality is <laughs> also kind of luck out that they're not in the same division. So you could have a Northern Division team, and you could have. The, the South Division, South Division yeah. team as your B team. You know, so you could <laughs> potentially get away with it. And I, I'm not I could. I could. Battle Hawks and Roughnecks. Yeah, I could. Hey, it, it, if it means that they both meet up in the championship. Now, if they meet in the championship game, I got to go with my Battle Hawks, man, all day, every day. <laughs> I got to go with them because they home for me, man. So, uh, I'm going to say Houston has a, has teams, man. And I'm like, my, my, my city don't really have that. So it would be, it would be nice to see the Battlehawks 
get together and, and the Roughnecks come together in the championship game. That'd be fun. Well, anything's possible. Yes. Well, Arlington, I promised, seeing that our schedules have both been kind of jam-packed today, that I wasn't going to try to take too much of your time. Yeah, so, I got to get going myself anyway, so. It has been a pleasure, and I really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to message me, even if it was one something. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> and, and just tell me you had time today to pull this off. So, I, you know, really appreciate it. Yes, and, sir. And, uh, you know, to discuss Everything that's kind of going on with the XFL, essentially, but mainly Houston, because it's kind of good to get a feel what's happening for each of these teams and markets before, you know, we kick off on the 18th. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yep. And and we'll definitely be uh, continuing on with the conversation as we get close to that day. Absolutely. Before I let you go. Yes. I always like to offer my guests an opportunity to share with my listeners if they want to be able to follow you and all the things you got going on, I know you got some other shows, so here's your opportunity to plug yourself on your shows, your social media platforms, so these people can follow you and everything you got, you know. In all the right, fire, here so we go. <laughs> you catch me on, uh, catch the A-Train show on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also check out the X-Fan show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. We're there on all that YouTube and uh, just type in X fan show and uh, subscribe and and follow us because uh, we got some great stuff coming out uh, in the, uh, in 2023. Well, plug yourself individually. Where can they find you? Not just the shows. Oh, me, the A train show. That's why I did the A train show. It's uh, my show. You can catch, catch that on YouTube too. Uh, We'll start doing some new shows in, in 2023 kind of stepped aside a bit because uh been working so much diligently for the XFL and getting those shows out too. So can't wait to get that back and pop in again. Probably won't get started to that until uh probably the spring, right when the XFL season is over and um and get a few interviews out and uh talk to some wonderful people. Well perfect. Everyone be sure to check out the X Fan show. They do three shows a week. I know that you are talking about maybe not being involved in all three, but they do two afternoon delight shows, supposedly. That's yes, we do a Tuesday and Thursdays at 11 Central Standard Time, 12 in the, in the East, 9 in the Pacific. And then we do, uh, if you are a Battlehawks fan, no matter wherever you are all over the world, country, uh, check out the uh, the Beehawk Live show uh, that comes on at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 8 in the Central, 6 in the West, and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one o'clock in Hawaii. Ooh. So yeah, I think yeah, you check it out there too. So we have a great time. We have a lot of fun, and I have to put up with dirty every single week. Well, bless you for doing. <laughs> great, I'll take the heat for everyone else. That's how I do that. So I, I'll, I'll sacrifice myself to help you guys out, and you never have to deal with that man. You know what? He's not that bad. People. He's not. He's not. Hey, he's. Actually, he's a good guy. He just don't want everybody to know. <laughs> he's going to kill me for, if you hear that. On that note, since you let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, I did. Great. Thank you again. So I'd love to do this again sometime. But, you know, until then, maybe we could cross paths if I jump on a flight sometime to one of the Texas games. Hey, you probably, if you can, February 18th would be the best time to come. 
looking at it, the problem is, here's the problem, people. I want to go to Arlington so bad for the first game. And I was like, Ew, the drive, you can't quite squeeze both in. But here's the reality. I'm getting married in April 15th, and I got a lot of things. <laughs> I got to keep all your nuggets. <laughs> much going on that. Yeah. On my wedding day, there's going to be games that obviously I'm flying back to New York for people, getting married in central New York. So, yeah, I, I got so much going on. I got a bachelor party to fly back to Buffalo for. There's just so much going on. Yeah. Just anyway. Congratulations. To talk about. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But she is dealing with this in her mind nonsense even though she's supportive this nonsense because <laughs> because they all they're all gonna ask you are you getting paid for it i do have a sponsor but guys see there it's not gonna outweigh my nine to five gig it's not gonna happen so get paid for it then there you go all right i appreciate it mike thank you so much man take care all right like Greg Parks and Cecil Cherry, we are blessed to have Arlington grace the show with his knowledge and insight. Despite not being in Houston during XFL 2.0, he has truly committed himself to the city since relocating to Houston and has a good understanding of what makes it tick. As we briefly touched on, he is a media professional and has made several connections along the way. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, Reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.